So here's one piece of advice for everybody. If they feel that ERP implementation sucks, right? So they really suck, to be honest, okay? They are really meant to be hard, okay? There is no easy way of implementing an ERP. If somebody says that there is an easy way of implementing an ERP, most likely they don't really have enough experience in implementing ERP systems, okay? So one thing that you can do is to embrace that ERP system is supposed to be difficult. The more pre-planning you do, the more you listen to the ERP consultants, because obviously they see a lot of ERP implementation, right? So listen to them closely. Don't underplay the, the advice. Hey, this is Danny, and welcome to the Spend Culture Stories podcast. You know, we're not just another boring finance or procurement podcast. We explore the sometimes challenging stories and learnings when people, spend, and organizations meet, and how to drive sustainable growth while still balancing control and agility. We have vulnerable, honest, and raw conversations with only the most forward-thinking CFOs, finance executives, and procurement leaders who are challenging the status quo, that the way we've done it is just not enough. This is Spend Culture Stories. So welcome everybody to how to prepare your first ERP project. So this is a Spend Culture Stories episode. And so it's a podcast I host myself at Procurify, and we're really happy to have Sam Gupta on the show today. So Sam is the host of WBS Rocks and principal consultant at Elevate IQ. He is such a wonderful community connector, and he's also a clubhouse host for his WBS Rocks chats as well. Sam is such a wonderful contributor to the finance and operations community, and I'm so excited to have you on this show, Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Danny. I'm, um, I'm super excited to talk to your fun listeners. Thank you so much. And you know, like I've been in a few of your clubhouse chats, so I already know that you're going to kill it today. Uh, let's see. We'll find out. <laughs> <laughs> So for those of you who don't know you, uh, do you mind giving a quick intro to yourself? Sure, absolutely. I'd love to. So basically, I started as um, as sort of the, the ERP consultant back in the days when I graduated. But my original background was we had a little bit of you know business family. So by the time I graduated, I knew a lot about accounting, manufacturing, and distribution. Then I started slightly more on the non-traditional path where I did a little bit of programming towards the beginning. And then finally switched on to the ERP career, did a lot of consulting in the enterprise world in somewhere 2012. I started sort of exploring my own path, did a little bit of independent consulting, bunch of startups, and then finally ended up being at uh, Elevate IQ. And this is the one of the most successful startups that we have had. Our focus is really into the ERP space. Uh, the target market that we have is going to be manufacturing, distribution, and uh, retail. And obviously, as part of the Elevate, uh, Elevate IQ umbrella, we also have the WBS Rocks, which is slightly more community initiative. And uh, as part of that, we have, as you know, uh, the clubhouse rooms, the happy hours, uh, the Twitter chat. <laughs> so trying to engage with the community as much as possible. But overall, uh, you know, I have spent roughly 20 years in the, in the ERP space. And I know you're super passionate about this topic. And I know I've also heard some really healthy debates, too, with uh, ERPs and, you know, um, more of the specialized solutions that people are using, you know, for the smaller startups. 
So um, kind of like a question to get us off started. When do you actually move towards an ERP? Like what are the inflection points that people have to really consider? And when it, what, might it be too early for a company? So, yeah, so I think there are two questions and uh, I would be touching in both of those. So number one is uh, basically when is the time to utilize a specialized solution? Um, so typically there are going to be two phases. Number one, when you are really small, you don't really have any sort of IT department internally and your departments may not be as integrated or you don't really have sort of the need for doing the cross-functional collaboration. So when you look at the startup phase, let's say you have five or six or 10 employees, let's say you are under $10 million in revenue. So what you are most likely going to be doing is you are probably going to have, let's say QuickBooks, uh, you know, for your accounting, you are probably going to have e-commerce solution. Uh, if you have any sort of e-commerce space, if you are uh, slightly more in the manufacturing space, um, you might have, let's say your product information management system, you might have your ERP, but, uh, you know, for the most part under $10 million, since you don't really have uh, neither the skill set nor the IT backbone internally, you probably want to stick to your specialized solutions as opposed to getting an integrated solution. But before we get there, let's first define what an ERP is, because there are a lot of different definition of ERP. So the way we like to define an ERP is, uh, you know, in our experience, that's going to be an integrated solution where majority of your departments, especially operational and finance, are going to sit on the same solution. That is going to be an ERP solution, right? And if they are not sitting, obviously that's going to be an specialized solution. So that's how we like to define an ERP. Now, going to your question about the inflection point, right? What are the other occasions when companies may need a specialized solution? So the second case where a companies might need a specialized solution is when they outgrow the out-of-the-box integrated solution. When their processes are so complex. So there are two camps. Number one is going to be super, super startup phase when you are super small. Or you are so big that your processes are so complex that you have a need of an specialized solution for example let's say talk about let's talk about the enterprises right uh, number one they have the internal it and number two they have uh, they have the skill set to be able to de develop their customized functionality and for the most part the standard solution that we have from the erp perspective that may not be sufficient for their need so that could be another phase when they would be going for, let's say, specialized financial solution, specialized HCM solution, specialized CRM solution. And then they will be integrating all of these solutions together just because they have the internal IT, they have a lot of, um, you know, funds and obviously the out-of-the-box ERP is probably not going to be enough. But when you are in that mid-stage, when you are talking about, let's say, $10 million to $500 million, that's when you are going to be super stressed with respect to your budget and funding. That's when what you really want to do is you want to stick to out-of-the-box functionality as much as possible from the integration perspective. Okay, so so that's going to be and your inflection points are going to be, let's say, uh, when you move from 10 to 25 to 50 to 100 um, to 250 to 500. And I don't know if you want me to go uh, in detail in each of those inflection points and on each of these inflection point, your need for the ERP system is going to vary. So I'm more than happy to get into uh, more detail if you if you want me to. I think those are really good baselines. And I think um, where people sometimes get confused is, you know, 
benchmarking them against other companies. Um, sometimes, you know, as you mentioned, there are certain problems or certain depart- specific departmental problems that you might want to, you know, fix. Therefore, you're looking for those specialized solutions. But as you mentioned, the ERP kind of brings everything together into one centralized system, whether it be for reporting or for data. So it does make sense that eventually they kind of graduate, so to speak, towards an ERP solution. Exactly. Exactly. You got it. So, yeah, I mean, that's uh, the thought process that we have. So how does one start their ERP search for the first time? I mean, like everyone knows ERPs are super expensive. They take a lot of time to implement as well. So how do you how do you start? So let's talk about different trigger points that we typically see in the market and that could be a that could provide a good gauge in terms of why companies look for an ERP. For the most part, uh, if you were on, let's say, the, the older ERP, then you would be looking for that. And in your case, let's say if you are feeling a lot of growth in your organization, okay? You are feeling that you are not able to grow your bottom line as much as your top line, meaning you have so much admin spend because you have the siloed system and you are spending a lot of time, let's say in replicating data across these systems, right? That's when you would realize that, you know what, I my margins are being consumed in the admin effort. What can I do to bring far more efficiency from the system perspective so that I don't have to hire as many admin people, either in the finance department or uh, in the the sales department, customer service or the operations department. So the first time is going to be, uh, you know, that happens at around 10 to $12 million, roughly $10 million revenue point. That's when you are probably going to realize for the first time that you need an ERP system. The second time and the second gauge could be, let's say, if you are adding many employees in a specific department, it could be finance or operations, right? So typically when you have just one person, they are going to be the driver of the processes, right? But once you add more people, typically you have to have some sort of standardized processes so that everybody does not end up defining their processes in the spreadsheet. Otherwise, you will have many versions of the process. And again, because of that, you are going to have a lot of uh, duplications of efforts, uh, you know, repetition of efforts, and then you don't, you have probably single point of failure. So these are some of the triggers or alarms that you definitely want to watch for in the organization. But $10 million is probably the rough gauge point uh, that you want to look at when you are starting for the first time. So you mentioned that, uh, you know, getting an ERP can also save you a lot of administration costs. And I think that's a really good success metric you can think about is, you know, the hours that you might be able to potentially you know, save. But how do you identify other key success metrics for an ERP? Um, what are some of the potential benefits that you can take, let's say, to the decisive leadership team and say this is something that we want to invest in? So let's talk about some of the metrics, right? So, so one of the challenges that you are going to get, let's say if you don't have the integrated ERP system or if your departments are not really integrated, everybody is sort of going to have their own metrics, right? And those metrics don't really talk to each other. They, It's going to be really hard to translate them. So everybody is sort of living in, in their own world, right? So it, it becomes really harder to scale, to grow, to sort of define the right metrics from the organizational perspective. And then how do you measure the success? 
how do you keep track of the success from the KPI perspective? For example, let's say from the organizational perspective, your goal is to grow 20%, right? That's what, let's say, your CEO or CFO is going to say. Now, to accomplish that growth, what you really need to do is you need to grow, let's say, 20% in sales, and you need to keep at either your expenses at the same level or maybe reduce or, you know, whatever you can do there, right? So you need to be tracking your cost. So obviously, uh, if you are a manufacturing organization, uh, your cost is going to be all over the place. And if you don't have control of the cost, that could be that could be significant. So in case of an ERP, obviously everything is going to be integrated from the macro perspective, from the micro perspective, and you know having those KPIs becomes slightly easier. But if you don't have that, you know defining those KPIs is easier. But tracking and maintaining those KPIs is going to be extremely extremely difficult. Yeah, these are some really great insights. I feel like when you take these KPIs and, you know, making sure that you're able to, you know, tell them to your CEO or to your CFO and having shared objectives, that's really going to be the success for when you actually bring an ERP on board. So what are some ways also to make ERP implementation suck less? I mean, you know, we hear horror stories of ERP implementations going wrong so many times. <laughs> How do you prevent these from happening, Sam? Well, so here's one piece of advice for everybody who's in the room. So if they feel that ERP implementation sucks, right? So they really suck, to be honest, okay? They are really (laughs) meant to be hard, okay? There is no easy way of implementing an ERP. If somebody says that there is an easy way of implementing an ERP, most likely they don't really have enough experience in implementing ERP systems, okay? So one thing that you can do is to embrace that ERP system is supposed to be difficult. The more pre-planning you do, the more you listen to the ERP consultants, because obviously they see a lot of ERP implementation, right? So listen to them closely. Don't underplay the the advice. So one of the stories that I'm actually going to bring here uh, is probably going to, it'll help you connect the dots here. So I was talking to one of the customers yesterday and their problem is they are the manufacturing shop. They have two entities at this point of time one is in the us one is in canada and they are expanding their operations in south america in one of the countries and uh, for them expanding an operation is just easy right because you start a shop and you start selling you are making money good stuff right but from the erp perspective it's not as easy because you need to look at a lot of different things you need to look at you know when you are setting a shop uh, in a completely different country, you need to look from the taxes perspective, you need to look from the uh, regulation perspective, and it's not going to be as easy as simply uh, copy and paste uh, one entity to the next and you start on the journey. Now, uh, if the ERP consultant comes on the call and he or she advises you that, okay, there is a structured process process to it because you need to make sure that you are not disrupting your existing operations uh, and there is going to be a lot of testing involved when you are actually going to be spinning off the new entity because it's almost like a new ERP implementation. In most cases, when you work with the customers who have never implemented an ERP system, they are going, they just don't believe that this is true and why it is going to be so expensive, why the change is going to be so hard. So in this particular story, you know, the customer really did not believe. I mean, for them, it's almost like when I can do business in, in a new country in two days, why can I not implement an ERP system in two days? And that is something very hard to communicate for an ERP consultant. And the only people who are going to understand is the people who have implemented an IT system or technology in their life because technology is hard. (laughs) So we have stories after stories where people just underestimate the amount of effort that it takes in implementing an ERP. And if you do that, most likely the experience is going to be painful. 
So one and takeaway I had from this is like managing expectations, I assume, since, you know, with ERP implementations, you have a lot of stakeholders on board. And like you mentioned, maybe a lot of these people don't actually have experiences with implementations or even, you know, how ERPs might actually work and how complicated they are. So from your story there, which is a great story, by the way, it's kind of like, you know, managing the expectations, maybe giving them, you know, a timeline of how it will actually look like, because, you know, when you give that information to people, it kind of reduces the uncertainty that some people will have as well. Yeah, so in our experience, Danny, a majority of the cases, most businesses try to understand, underestimate the effort it takes in an ERP implementation. And that's where the biggest problem is. Okay, so understanding and embracing and appreciating the amount of effort it's going to take it will ease the, the pain. Plan it out. Listen to the consultant. Listen to the, the people who have done ERP implementation because they are the only ones who know what it really takes to make them make them successful. They are saying that, you know what, it's going to take four months. It's going to take four months. I mean, there is no <laughs> way to shorten that process. I mean, they might probably say, you know what, I can do it in two months just because they are probably in a competitive situation. But what will end up happening is <laughs> because it takes four months, it takes four months. It's going to take four months. There is no shortcut around there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, sometimes, you know, if you try to rush things, that's actually where, you know, shit happens. Excuse my language there. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about digital transformation in general. I know we touched mostly on uh, ERPs, but I feel like this is a topic that a lot of people in finance um, especially face. So how do you actually sell a digital transformation project idea to stakeholders? I mean, unfortunately, I don't know if the audience will agree with this, but finance is one of the more slower moving functions when it comes to technology. And I know there's a lot of finance leaders out there that are trying to be more technologically savvy and more you know, native to actually using technology to improve their processes. But how do you actually sell these ideas and uh, who are normally the stakeholders you want to get involved? Well, so this is obviously a two-part question, right? So from the stakeholder perspective, I would say the more you involve your sales and marketing, the easier the pitch is going to be just because they are slightly more innovative. Uh, They are slightly more receptive towards the ideas and they also have a lot of pressure if you think from their perspective because they they have to meet their targets, right? So the more you involve them, the more you sell them how it is going to help them personally, how it is going to make their life easier, your pitch could be easier because they might end up selling for you as opposed to you selling it yourself and typically sales and marketing counterparts are slightly they are going to be slightly better at pitching just because that's what they do day in day out so they are doing a lot of external pitching Uh, they can do internal pitching as well so in my mind typically sales and marketing people are not involved in the erp implementation the more you involve them the, the easier the pitch could be now coming back to your second question about how to pitch how to align with the interest of a specific person so whoever you are pitching to obviously everybody is going to have their own self-interest right they are that's how we all work so now how do you align that pitch to the cfo okay whatever strategic priority the cfo has uh, if cfo is not running the show maybe you are a controller and you are trying to pitch to your cfo 
Uh, if that is the case, then you need to align it to his or her resume. Okay, whatever priorities they are trying to accomplish, how you can do that using this digital transformation initiative. And that's the, in my opinion, the foundation of the pitch. Now, if you go to, let's say, your operations guy, your supply chain guys, uh, obviously these guys are going to have their pain on an, on a daily basis, right? So if you align this pitch to their needs, their specific needs, okay, this is how this uh, digital transformation initiative is going to help you. And once you do that for, let's say, one or two people, obviously, not everybody's going to buy in the in the first shot. So maybe um, you have sold it to the salesperson, salesperson bought it, um, you know, he or she is super excited about this initiative. And then he becomes your champion. And he is actually he or she is championing the cause as well. Right. So if you get, let's say, two or three people involved, then that could be a team play. So this is how you sort of minimize the risk for yourself. Uh, you sell as a team. But obviously, you know, uh, when it comes to doing the real initiative, it's going to be your operations team that is going to be involved. It's going to be your supply chain. It's going to be procurement. It's going to be your finance team. It's going to be your sales team. Marketing is typically very rarely involved, uh, is involved in the ERP or digital transformation implementation. In my opinion, I think, uh, you know, companies should look for more and more marketing involvement because they can do a lot more things if they have access to let's say erp data if they can operate on the erp data they can do a lot more from the product innovation perspective also from the price innovation perspective those are some really good insights and i laughed a little bit when you mentioned you know get sales and marketing involved because they're good at pitching i mean that's true you know coming from a marketing background a lot of times when we implement a digital transformation projects, we're often, you know, kept out of the loop until a little bit later on. And then when we try to figure out the solution, we're like, okay, well, how the hell do we use this, right? And we look up to our vendors, we look up to our head of finance. So that's definitely like a really good learning from, from our end. And I know like, you know, for the ERP, it's normally the head of finance who's, you know, the heavy user and maybe, you know, some in operations, supply chain, depending on your industry. How do you ensure that a, that entire team is on the same page with the ERP? Oftentimes, um, user adoption is kind of like a sticky point where other departments, they're trying to use the ERP, but they may not feel comfortable with it since it's so cumbersome. How do you deal with that? Well, so again, it's going to be the same approach in terms of pitching. So if you have identified your champions who are fighting for your cause, so those are the ones that you are really going to be counting on. So let's say if you are the controller and you have sold it to the salesperson or maybe the, the operations head. Right now, these guys are really excited about this particular initiative. They are really uh, excited in terms of the adoption, right? So these guys could be your early adopters uh, in the organization. So you need to make sure that when you form the core team, you involve them as much as possible. The more you involve them, the more they are going to get their hands on the system, the, the easier it is going to be for them to be able to sell the ideas uh, across the organization. Because the reason why they bought uh, as the early adopter in the first place is because they might be slightly more innovative overall. Uh, they might be the guys who simply want to, you know, <laughs> grab the next shiny object, uh, which is not bad, right? I mean, these are these guys are really the innovators in the organization. You know, everybody's going to have some sort of personality. Uh, some people are going to be sort of the, the the last ones who will adopt. They want to stick to the to the to the norm just because they might not be as sort of the the risk takers, right, <laughs> in the organization. So yeah, so so you need to find your champion as you find during your pitch phase. The same goes for the adoption phase as well. The 
more you find the champion, the more you tell them that you need to you need to sort of the promote the cause, the more you gamify, okay? Uh, and it's almost like sport, right? I mean, see, how do you make sure that people are really using the system? So obviously there are two approaches, you know, to motivate or incentivize people. Number one could be you could give them reward or you could penalize them. Uh, typically, if you try to penalize them, then that always, always uh, in our experience fires back. So what can you do to really incentivize them to be able to use the system so that they really, um, you know, like the system, they embrace the system, right? Obviously, there are going to be always, uh, you know, problems, glitches, technical problems problems, um, you know, change management is going to be hard, but what can you do to sell it to people who are willing to sell on your behalf? In my opinion, I think that's the best approach. And that's really a good question to ask, even I think for projects that are not digital transformation related, right? Like who are the stakeholders you want in the room? How do you make sure you're understanding their goals? I feel like those are two really important questions that we should all ask, no matter which department we're in. Yes. Uh, I mean, for the most part, when you are doing the cross-functional initiatives, everybody will be touched in some shape or form. Okay. They are going to be impacted, especially the operations finance. I mean, they are going to be heavily impacted. Sales is going to be heavily impacted. Customer service is going to be heavily impacted. And also, depending upon how you are positioning this transformation, if you position this transformation more from the customer experience perspective, obviously, you know, it's going to be easier to sell. People are going to be listening to you a lot more just because when you talk from the from the customer's perspective, everybody just gets it. They, you know, everybody in the organization, I mean, in general, they all want to serve the customers. They might have different approaches. <laughs> but when you position it, it, it from the customer's perspective, it just becomes easier to pitch, easier to position. I love that. It's getting everybody on board, getting them excited. So this is kind of like one of my last questions for you, because I know um, the audience probably also wants to get in on this discussion. Uh, where do you see the future of ERP go? So with like, you know, smaller scale SaaS solutions, such as, you know, our solution for Purify, um, we try to, you know, innovate and we try to create new things depending on what the market is needing. Do you think um, we will see the same in ERP as well? Since, you know, ERP solutions, normally they are more enterprise. Uh, they are a lot slower when it comes to innovation or change. Like, how do you see that going forward? So this is the biggest misconception I have heard in the community, to be honest. And this is what I get all the time, that ERP vendors are not innovating. They are slower to innovate their systems. That is not true at all, to be honest, okay? They are innovating on a daily basis. It's just that their R&D efforts are going to be in different direction. Just because these systems are designed to comply, you know, with your taxes, with your regulations, so their R&D dollars are going in a different direction. If they don't innovate on a daily basis, because government regulations are changing, the tax regulations are changing on a, on a daily basis, and they need to make sure that they actually comply with that before they put any of the, the user experience innovation or, uh, let's say, the, the technical innovation those are not as important i'll give you a story here of one of the erp vendors they were not as funded they were not as rich because erp is a very very expensive you know product to be able to build it to be able to sell so majority of the time that the erp vendors that you are going to see in the market obviously they are going to be super 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 rich on their balance sheet and one of the vendors we had in the market that was slightly more niche vendor and they did not they were not as funded as some of these bigger vendors and they could not cope up with these regulations to be honest i mean they they 
were not even able to meet the accounting standard and because of that uh, companies were not able to uh, you know close their books they were not able to process these sales transactions so you can imagine you know this uh, we have this notion in the community that erp systems are not innovating that's not true at all uh, you know they are getting innovated on a daily basis they just have slightly different priorities obviously they are uh, getting innovated even from the user experience or ai perspective um, you know majority of the arp systems that we work with they all have significant back end ai you don't even see that you don't even feel that the systems are so smart nowadays um, you know if you utilize some of the newer system and if you use some of the legacy systems you will feel the difference just because ai is 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 actually making it easier in the back end you are never going to come to know about that because uh, you know uh, maybe nobody told you but these erp systems majority of them are using significant ai in the back end to make the experience easier to make the experience slightly more workflow centric to make the user experience easier so my comment to that is going to be danny <laughs> that's a misconception that erp systems are slow to innovate that's not true at all and this is not specific to one vendor every erp vendor is uh, is in a very highly competitive space they are being innovated right now i love it when you disagree cuz i know like you know when you have your own views that's where actually you know discussion happens so i'm glad you brought that up and i think like also another challenge for a lot of people is selecting the right vendor right like there's a lot of vendors out there in a the market as you mentioned so how do people make the right choice when there's so many out there well so this is easier said than done right so typically erp system when you are buying the erp system for the first time you are looking at thousand different variables or factors that you need to evaluate against now each of the erp system is designed for a specific purpose the best way to understand the purpose of that product or the vendor is going to be go to their uh, you know if they are a public company go to their balance sheet <laughs> look at their strategic position in terms of which are the industries that they are trying to focus what was the underlying reason why they designed that product which industries are they trying to target from the corporate perspective one of the ways that you might want to look at uh, you know is from the marketing perspective now danny you are the marketer right and the best way to understand the marketing positioning is going to be let's say if i go to my erp vendor one and if i look at their top industry on their drop down menu if that that drop uh, industry is going to be construction most likely they are targeting construction as their target market right so when they are going to look at their r&d priorities when they are going to innovate they are going to put more functionality for the constructor as opposed to for the manufacturing this is one way to understand this now you go to erp vendor 2 they might say that you know what my core is manufacturing right so they are going to put far more r&d dollars in manufacturing as opposed to construction so this is one way of looking at what is the actual positioning of the company in the market now this is again when we look at the erp system it's more of the buy versus build decision so you are looking at the overall tco of the product that you are buying right so in most cases when you are buying an erp system you are probably going to be doing let's say 5% development or 10% development or 20% development but your goal is going to be how can i buy the the most out of the box which is going to be rather than buying 80% 90% is probably better rather than buying 90% 95% is better so the closer you are to your business processes the closer you are to your micro industry the easier it is going to get but you are looking at the other factors as well for example let's say if you are working with a very small vendor mom and pop shop now they might not have money to be able to survive in business for next 5 years is that the vendor that you are 
you want to commit to uh, from ERP perspective? Probably not. Okay. <laughs> so you you have a lot of different variables there. The best thing that you can do is to hire a consultant for the selection. Okay. If you if you cannot afford that, research research a lot. Put a lot of time in doing the research. The more you read. The more, the better you will get with respect to ERP selection. Obviously, it's going to be tons and tons of information. It cannot be a simplified checklist of 12 points based on which you can decide an ERP system. Okay, you need to finalize your requirements. What requirements are going to be super, super, super critical for you? But make sure you understand if they are really critical for you or you are thinking that they are critical for you. Because from the ERP perspective, sometimes when you are thinking that they might be very critical for you, but from the ERP perspective, they might not be as critical. So again, it's a, it's you are buying a very expensive machine, very complex device, and that requires a lot of thinking, a lot of expertise. The best way to do this is plan it out, hire somebody who knows what they are doing, or research a lot, read a lot. Thank you so much for these insights. And for people who are in the audience that are going through this journey and you're looking for an ERP, we're trying to figure out their implementation process, please reach out to Sam. You know, he's such an industry thought leader in the subject. So reach out to him on LinkedIn, you know, send him an email. If you click his uh, clubhouse headshot there, you're going to be able to find all the information there. And with that, um, thank you so much, Sam, for being on the show today. Um, I wanted to give the audience some time to also ask you some questions, but I wanted to say thank you. Of course, my pleasure, Danny. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of today. If you like this podcast, please make sure to subscribe so you don't miss another great guest. We'd also appreciate it if you give us a five-star review on iTunes for the Apple listeners out there. This podcast is sponsored by Procurify, a spend management solution that is making managing business spend simple. I know there's still a lot of you that are using spreadsheets, credit cards, and expense forms, or a mix of the above. Perhaps you're still using a procurement module in your ERP that is clunky and outdated. Procurify helps you implement proactive controls so that purchases are tracked and approved by the right person before it hits accounts payable. Never have to worry about a surprise invoice ever again. There's a reason why over 400 customers around the world love us. Our award-winning, easy-to-use system is loved by people everywhere. It's actually a purchasing system that your employees will actually want to use, believe it or not. Check us out at Procurify.com, so that's www.procurify.com. P-R-O-C-U-R-I-F-Y dot com and mention the podcast for a sweet listener special on our packages.